Hello, everyone. My name is Jacob Emerson. I'm an editor with Becker's Healthcare. Thanks so much for joining us today for this featured session as we discuss the successful implementation of virtual health to achieve friction reduction and improve care access. We're thrilled to be joined today by Noel Krishakani, who is the Chief Growth Officer at Ander Health, and Emily Ward, who is an administrator at Medical University of South Carolina. Welcome to you both. And I, before we dive in, Emily and Noel, I'd love to have you both tell us a little more about yourselves and your organizations. Noel, we'll start with you. Sure, thank you. I appreciate that, Jacob. Um, yes, as you mentioned, my name is Noel Kershikani. I'm the Chief Growth Officer here at Andor Health. Andor Health was founded almost four years ago now, um, a Microsoft M12 portfolio company. We actually set out four years ago to fundamentally change the way healthcare institutions collaborate virtually. So we built a platform, uh, new innovation, new technology, to really kind of tackle, if you will, the sort of next generation and next evolutions of what virtual health and virtual collaboration will look like both within the healthcare institution, but also between healthcare institutions. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Noel. And Emily, tell us a little bit about what you do at MUSC. Sure, happy to. Um, as you said, my name's Emily War. Um, I'm the administrator in the Center for Telehealth at MUSC, um, which is in Charleston, South Carolina. We have, have grown as a center um, thanks to the large support of the South Carolina State Legislature that began in around 2012 or 2013, um, really intended to fund MUSC to grow telehealth as part of a network across the state of South Carolina, really um, to reach rural areas and help, frankly, historical competitors really learn um, how to grow telehealth services of their own and really serve the, the people of South Carolina with better health care via virtual mechanisms. Um, I'm a nurse by background. Uh, I've been with MUSC for 20 years, um, started out in the ICU and came over to telehealth about eight years ago. Fantastic. Well, Emily, thank you as well for joining us today. I want to get started then by talking about what you just mentioned, a statewide effort, it sounds like, to introduce more virtual health across South Carolina. So talk to us a little bit about the approach that MUSC took when implementing its virtual health programs. Certainly. Yeah. So as I mentioned, we um, had the benefit of state support uh, for many years now. And so um, we were able to sort of ahead of the pandemic, which has obviously brought a lot of telehealth to across the country and the world. We had um, the benefit of time to begin to develop a virtual health strategy and really think about how to best serve the state of South Carolina and, and, um, and our patients, frankly, with, with health care delivered virtually. And so we really, um, based on experience, we were recognized pretty quickly some years ago that we needed uh, to build a framework, sort of a foundational way that we might approach building telehealth services each time uh, a new idea sort of came through, whether it be in the hospital setting or ambulatory setting, um, school-based health, um, et cetera. And so um, by building out sort of that infrastructure, um, we, we were able to, uh, to tackle some of the more complex elements of, of service development in, a, in more of a rote fashion, frankly. Um, it's sort of become like a machine, I would say. Um, the way that we approach it is, is called the telehealth service implementation model. And through the use of this sort of framework, we've been able to really um, think about uh, the patient and the patient experience, because a lot of the sort of boxes are checked for service development. We really focus on patients first and how to open up access and really improve the patient experience with healthcare via virtual means. 
Fascinating. And Emily, I'd be really curious if you were going to be talking to other health system leaders listening to this, uh, what, what would you say are the core tenets of your approach here? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, well, first of all, the the focus on the the patient first and opening up access has been a primary tenant, right? We we really want to build these services around the patient. Providers being second, I would say, obviously the providers are very important to to the care that we offer, but really that patient engagement and uh, and reducing friction, I think, um, at the point of the patient's engagement with healthcare systems virtually is really the, the I think the foundational tenant. We built the framework around making sure that all of the elements of service development, including clinical workflows, technology selection, um, regulatory and compliance elements, and then sort of continuous quality improvement are embedded in um, sort of uh, the way we think about service development at the at the point of inception and idea through strategy development and ultimately implementation. Noel, I'd love to have you jump in here and talk a little bit about how you think health systems should really design the core tenets of, of a virtual health strategy. Yeah, I think as the technology partner to MUSC, you know, one of the things I think we've found both fascinating but also, you know, right on point is that, you know, our, our vision for telehealth and virtual health and the core tenets are fundamentally aligned. And I think that's required of any health system when they're looking at partners to help kind of design or support them in that design of a specific framework. When I, when I think about what Emily had mentioned, we're, we're right on, on top of what she just mentioned in, in the sense that fundamentally the patient really has to come first. And when you think about that, that patient experience is really going to reside at multiple points in their journey. Whether, for example, that is I'm on a website, I'm looking for access to care, I need to be navigated to a specific um, line of service within my healthcare institution to, hey, I'm in the ED, I need to make sure that I try to get a neurologist on call right into the into a uh, an ED or into a bed on demand and as quickly as possible. Or as Emily mentioned, if it's a, a child in a school that needs behavioral health uh, specialist to join, those types of workflows and those types of experiences really really anchor around the patient's experience and their own access to care. I think another tenet of of this approach that Emily mentioned is, is, I think, just fundamentally important. And that is that when you think about telehealth, it is not the traditional notions that we have seen in the past where, you know, I just have one way or one line of service that I'm going to produce a certain kind of uh, service to my patient population. More organizations today, I think, are thinking about how can virtual health be used to really make workflows more efficient to collaborate amongst team members, to, as Emily mentioned, introduce new lines of service in a much more efficient manner and really present access points to the patient population that they fundamentally have never had really had before. So that's that I think understanding the strategy, understanding where you want to take your business and how virtual folds in, that's a major tenant of any specific healthcare institution. So interesting to hear you both talk about this and really how this has the potential to introduce more efficient workflows, new lines of service for new, new patients. Emily, MUSC is a national telehealth center of excellence. So what guidance do you think your organization can provide to other systems that are currently building out their virtual health strategy? 
Um, it's a great, it's a great question. We, we've gotten to a point in our maturity, frankly, where I already mentioned, you know, that we, that we focus on using a framework to build out services, but we really are in a phase of continuous quality improvement, I would say for all of our service offerings. Um, and, and by this, I mean, we, we've gotten to a place of maturity where we have, um, I think what, what healthcare does often in person and high reliability organizations is really a, a preoccupation with failure or no harm, right? Really thinking about making our service delivery to patients in person and, and for us virtual um, as safe as possible um, by really thinking about um, every step of the process and making sure that we're continuously improving. So, I mean, I'd say that's something that we've really gotten into a phase of our maturity to focus on. And one of the ways that we um, that we tackle that in a, um, I think, in an organized fashion is by, is by collecting a lot of data, frankly, and reviewing the data and making sure that we understand how we're performing, whether it's at the level of the patient or the provider, um, you know, all the way back to what I mentioned earlier about sort of billing and compliance, how are our, our workflows impacting um, the patient engagement, the patient experience, the quality of care delivered. Um, so really, I think we, we've gotten into a phase um, of, of our natural history, if you will, where we're really focused on continuous quality improvement and making sure that the data is driving and informing the improvement that we make and iterations that we make um, uh, for patients every day, you know, monthly, we're making changes based on the data that we see and, and the improvements that, that we need to make to, to better care for our patients. Got it. Understood. So MUSC is in the quality improvement phase here of, of your strategy overall. Noah, I'd be curious your thoughts here. What do you think specifically MUSC can provide other organizations that are in the midst of their building out their own strategies in this space? Yeah, that's it's a super question. I'll start at the very kind of top of what Emily mentioned just a minute ago, which is, you know, there's a what what MUSC has been great at is is identifying uh, what I like to call a true north, right? As a business and as a healthcare institution, there's a very very defined sort of vision and strategy for the organization to create access to patients in the state of South Carolina and fundamentally beyond virtual health. And, and you know what what Emily's mentioned as their charter is a prime component of that particular strategy. And to that end, everything sort of flows downwards. Um, you know how that execution really takes place. How do you optimize those workflows? Are really the sort of the you know uh, byproduct of of having history in looking at and analyzing distinct data points from past experiences from really understanding the gaps that they see both on the patient's experience side, as I mentioned before, but also on the clinical uh, and the clinical staff and the clinicians that actually deliver service through these virtual environments and really ensuring that friction doesn't exist on both sides of the equation. The, the third and final piece, I think that has been just fundamentally important, what I've seen is that MUSC has always had a very forward-thinking approach. Um, at the end of the day, when you look at what's happening in virtual health, it is changing. The models, the tech, uh, they're all changing so quickly that if, if you're not able to fundamentally look at how new innovations can actually bring to light a more highly sustainable model, that you're gonna get left behind very, very quickly. And you won't be able to execute on that strategy that you originally put in place. 
I think MUSC has done that incredibly well, is really thinking about how does new tech, new innovation, and really just more agile thinking, um, how did we bring that to the table to make virtual health a, a competitive advantage? Interesting. And it sounds like agile thinking. That seems to be really the key phrase I'm taking from everything you guys are saying here, just to stay on top of this so quickly evolving field. Emily, I want to talk to you, though, about the, the on-the-ground results that you're hearing from, from clinicians, from patients, the, the system-wide response that, that you're hearing um, around MUSC uh, since implementation, and what the future effects that you're expecting from your virtual health strategy. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, what what are the people saying? What are the patients saying? What are the providers saying? What are the administrators saying? You know, what are the financial implications? I think um, I think we're in a, a time of um, where change management is uh, is just critical, right? Because the the feedback is um, is loud um, and it is intense, and some of it's good, and some of it is. Um, is confusing and some of it is just bad, frankly. I mean, there, there are providers who, who um, are, are just really not interested in um, maintaining sort of a virtual presence. And then we have those that are blazing the trail and, and um, incredibly interested in opening up access to their patients via this mechanism and are even, I would say, brave enough to try new things, even recognizing that they may or may not work immediately. Um, I think patients, um, patients, again, should drive uh, the patient access issues and their needs should drive the decisions we make going forward and how our strategies evolve, I would say largely patients are more open um, than we ever anticipated, uh, patients of all ages, to, to um, engaging with their providers and their um, care teams virtually. Um, what, we're, what we find invaluable from our patients is the more um, sort of uh, actionable feedback they give us around um, the experience that they have, whether it's it's the video experience and can I hear my provider? And um, we expect the care to be excellent, um, every bit as good as it is in person, but there are some elements of the patient experience that we've really been able to learn from and, and sort of develop UI, UX sort of components like the user experience components and improvements that we need um, to, make, to make the experience the best possible for the patient. So I'd say that's one of the things that I've learned is that the, the patients are really engaged and ready to, to help um, make this work, frankly, because they, I think they see great benefit in virtual health uh, along the continuum, recognizing there's still a time and a place certainly to be seen by your provider in person. But um, when, when it works, um, they're, they're ready to, um, to engage and, um, and help us improve the process overall, which has been really rewarding, I would say, um, and an exciting element. I think some of the um, administrative that was the third sort of group or um, the CFOs, et cetera, are very interested in the business component of, of telehealth, particularly in um, the post-pandemic era and um, after the PHE. Uh, so, what, so what is the impact on the finances of, um, of ambulatory care, for example, um, when the PHE expires? And I think there, there are probably more, a lot of questions there. I don't know if there are more questions than answers, um, but there are a lot of questions. And I think, um, I think in my mind, um, the benefit is going to be that we that will evolve to answer those questions. And if there are reductions in reimbursement, for example, then we'll evolve and improve efficiencies um, based on what the patients and providers need uh, to make the experience um, useful and also financially beneficial to health systems, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And thank you for bringing up that really important point of this entire discussion is that at the federal level, we've got the PHE coming to a close this May and all the uh, trickling down effects that that will have in this space. 
Noel, talk to us a little about, you know, the future effects you're expecting system-wide um, on virtual health and the impact on organizations that you're really expecting here. Yeah, that's, it's a, a really super question. I think Emily hit it spot on. At, at the end of the day, you know, when you look at the market dynamics, um, you know, we're seeing, you know, healthcare institutions, you know, posting large losses in revenue most recently. You know, they're facing shortages amongst, you know, their frontline workers. And, you know, quite frankly, quite a bit of burden um, that they're still having to deal with in just the delivery of care. We've never seen those, I mean, in that to this degree, you know, that type of a situation that really is going to require a different way and a different line of thinking um, in how to, one, deliver care, but two, is even create access or new access to care, right? And so I think that what we're finding is that more organizations, particularly ones that are very mature in these models like MUSC, you know, they're recognizing that it, it isn't just about the traditional reimbursement that we have to think about. It's about how do we create or establish new models uh, and new partnerships that, you know, lead to a sort of a different way of delivering care beyond boundary, beyond geography, so on and so forth. Uh, I believe that virtual gets us to a point where we can even start thinking about more decentralized care. Right. So if I need to really focus on my strong point, um, you know, maybe I'm, I'm the best at one specific speciality, but other healthcare institutions just don't have that kind of pedigree or they don't have those kinds of resources. How can I create a shared model with those health systems to provide care in multiple states? I think virtual is giving us a very unique uh, view around how which we can start to sort of Uberize our, our networks um, as healthcare institutions and drive those specific interventions to the patient population. Fantastic. Well, some really incredible insights and information into this evolving field of virtual health. Noel, Emily, I wanna thank you both so much, both for your time and your expertise today. Thank you. We'd also like to thank our sponsor and or health for this engaging content. Thank you so much for everyone in attendance today, and we hope that you've enjoyed this content and the rest of the virtual event.